Are you in your 40s, approaching your 40s, past your 40s, and wondering, what the F is happening to my body, in my relationships, with my family, in my career, generally all the things. If so, then you're in the right place. We're your hosts. I'm Beth. And I'm Dana. We're here to bring people together to explore and have real, raw conversation about being 40-ish. So welcome to What the 40-ish, a podcast. Hey, everybody. We are so excited to be back. Dana and Beth, and we're here with What the 40-ish. We have an awesome guest today. We have Mary Jane Smith-Gall, who is actually going to be talking to us about something very important for everybody in our 40-ish time of age. She is actually a, a colon, is it colon cancer or did they give you something? Yeah, it's, col- it's colorectal cancer, but yeah, colon cancer, it's all the same thing. So she was actually pretty recently diagnosed what a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And she has gone through the whole entire treatment. And so I, I know everybody here, you know, in our forties, this is about when we're kind of getting up to that age. I think they tell you at 50 is when you should get your first screening, and so I know a lot of us are probably like, Ugh, I don't want to do that. No, but it's important. And so she's kind of going to walk us through what happened and her, you know, her journey through her uh, chemo and radiation. And then she also broke her foot hiking during, during the thing <laughs> and had to be airlifted out of the canyon. Oh my gosh. And I didn't hear that, that detail. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's my <laughs> Yeah. So Mary Jane, she's actually 52, but she found out when she was 50, uh, one, right. It was, it was like almost a year ago, just a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, I was 50 about to turn 51 when I found out, cause I found out in September and in November I turned 51. So, yeah. Did you have any symptoms or anything like that? Or was it just yeah. like, Hey, I'm just going to go get checked out. The entire process, I've never had any symptoms or any reactions from the actual cancer. I would have never, I would never, I would have never known that I had it, quite honestly. Um, we had changed um, insurance companies. We had moved out here for Michael's job and got a new insurance company. And my um, general practitioner said, Hey, you're 50. It's time for you to get your colon screening. And I was like, Oh, do I have to do that? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, No, you really should. And I was like, All right, well, I'll think about it. Like everybody else does, because everybody knows about the prep and how just terrible everything has always sounded about it. So I I was thinking about it. Well, her nurse called me back and said, I think we need to go ahead and schedule it, you know? So we did the, there's a home test that you can do because, oh, keep in mind during this, it was during lockdown. It was during COVID and everything was shut down. This happened in like October of 2020? Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't actually doing um, this, this screenings unless they had to. So they sent home the home kit. Michael and I both did the home kit. Well, mine came back saying that there might be a problem. So based on that, we went ahead and scheduled the colonoscopy. Um, at the time, we were, uh, since we were both working from home and could basically work from anywhere, we were thinking about moving to another country. So we were in the process of uh, packing to go to Mexico, to Merida in the Yucatan for a month to see how it was and with the intention of moving there if we really liked it. So three days before we leave, I have my colonoscopy. And during that, the doctors come out and they call Michael and tell him because because it was COVID and lockdown, he wasn't allowed to come into the facility with me. So he had gone um, down the street to wash the car to have something to do because it was going to take a couple of hours. And they call him and they tell him he needs to come back to the hospital. I'm sitting in the room. 
I've been Twilight. I'm I'm not really okay. We're waiting on my husband. Yay, great, no problem. And he gets there, and the doctor starts talking about cancer, 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 cancer. I'm still like, oh, okay. Well, they wanted me to come back the next day to have another procedure done to look at it to see if they could do the biopsies to see if I really had cancer. And we tell we're telling the doctors we're going to leave the day after that. We're going to 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 Mexico for a month. Should we cancel our trip? What are we supposed to do? And there was a cancellation at the last minute. And so instead of having to come back the next day, they went ahead and did the next procedure and they went in and they did. It wasn't official, but they know when they're looking at it, that it's that this, there's cancer. And he said, nope, don't, don't cancel your trip. Go ahead and go. Cause it's going to take a week or two for the pathology to come back and for us to know for sure what's going on. In the meantime, you'll have, a, if it is cancer, you'll have all of these appointments that you'll need to go to. And you can set those up while you're there. You know, here, here's a list of things to look for. These symptoms, if these happen, come home. If they don't enjoy your vacation, go and relax about it. And then when you come back, just know when you come back, you're going to hit the ground running and you're going to have a ton of appointments to go to. It's going to be like a part-time job. So just keep that in mind. And I was like, okay. So I went from, Hey, I'm moving to another country to now. What do we do? So we got to uh, Mexico and sure enough, a week later, my doctor calls me and he confirms that I have cancer. I obviously probably didn't work uh, the rest of that day. A lot of crying, um, a lot of like, what, how? Because like I said, I felt fine. I wasn't sick. I wasn't sick at all. I had no stomach pains. I didn't have any other symptoms. I wasn't running a fever. There was no infection, you know, all of these things. And you're like, how, how can I have cancer? I don't, I don't feel sick. Everything just feels normal, you know? Little did I know that that was the last time I was going to feel normal, you oh. know? Uh, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking. Did you start having any symptoms after that or I, no? No, no I'm going to tell you quite honestly, in this past year, I never had a single symptom from the cancer. Never. And had they not ever told me that I had cancer, I understand how these people end up at stage three, stage four cancer and not know it because there was just nothing different about me. Nothing yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah, you know, your 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 story has a good ending. I have a, a friend who had um, her husband was diagnosed, went in for his normal, mm-hmm. you know, fifty year old. Yeah, you know, we're there. Got to do it. And um, he was stage four at that point. Um, and Did he have symptoms and things? And just um, I mean, wasn't sure. He thought it was like IBS. You know, like he yes. thought it was like IBS. You a know? lot of times, it's exactly what people think they have. Ended up you know, unfortunately he was, he was gone a year later. So it was very, very very quickly and very, very sad. But I mean, this is just like why we're, why we're talking to you is that Mm -hmm. so there's awareness and people know, you know, when people, when doctor, when the recommendation is to get checked, it's not, you know, an arbitrary, like, Hey, we're just trying to take your money thing. It's because when they start seeing it and, and I, and I'm one and Daniel will tell you, I've had, I've had, I don't, I can't even count how many colonoscopies I've had so far because I do have issues, but thankfully so far, no, no cancer, but I've had diverticulitis and mm-hmm. um, colitis and mm-hmm. uh, reoccurrent and bad. And <laughs> it's not fun. It, you know? it's, it's not fun. Yeah. Have a colonoscopy. Um, people dread it. And there's a reason why you dread it, but it's so, so important. Oh, absolutely. It's important. It's one of those things. It's one of the reasons that uh, Michael and I decided early on to start doing the videos to not only just for our friends and family and to 
you know, like my mom's in Florida and I'm in California and it meant a lot to me for her to be able to see my face and see me talk and know that when I say I'm okay, I'm not just saying that I really am okay. Of the worst things um, through this entire cancer journey has been the chemo and the radiation were nothing compared to this past surgery that I had, you know, and even, and there were times I was tired, you know, and I said, it's, it's, it's so important. And I know um, so many people that have gone and, and had their colonoscopies done. And luckily they've been fine and had no issues. I mean, my husband just had one within the last couple of weeks, but you, you get one and you don't have to get another one for 10 more years. That's, that's how, how slow growing this cancer is, you know? So unfortunately, like I said, um, most people don't know until it's too late. I would have been the same way had my doctor not pushed me to get it. I wouldn't have known. So with the cancer, like, was it all over or was it just in a tiny spot? Yes. So I had, I had two polyps that had to be removed and polyps they remove anyways, just because leaving them can possibly turn for some or whatever reason can turn into cancer. So two regular polyps removed. And I had one tumor that was, um, three centimeters. Okay. I think originally three, almost four centimeters big originally. And that was it. It was the only spot, but they could tell by where, you know, by the way it looked that it was cancer. It's what they thought it came back and it proved to be exactly that. And when they said that you hit the ground running, um, we came back to town on a Saturday and on Sunday, I went for my first CT scan and blood work. That's how fast it was. And with our insurance out here, it's unheard of compared to what we had in Florida. I almost can always schedule not a doctor's visit, but any kind of lab work or test done outside of my office hours after five o'clock and on the weekends. So that way it didn't nice. affect it. I mean, I worked, I worked through the entire thing. I would go do chemo and I would bring my laptop with me. And if I was in a room where I was by myself, I would hold whatever meetings I normally would have. If um, I needed to reschedule, I went ahead and did it, but I did all of my work right there, sitting, sitting there, you know, hooked up to all of these IV things. Yeah. So how was the chemo journey? Like, was that, was that difficult? Did you, you know, what kind of side effects did you have? I know they've come a long way with not only with the chemo, but with the medicines they give you to kind of Mm -hmm. pass, pass over some of those or suppress some of those side effects. So, oh yeah. I was fortunate on a scale of one to 10, when you um, talk about chemo treatments, mine was about a five. So midway, I would say most of the breast cancer ones are 10. And so you can't compare. And that was one of the things that, that some of um, people that I knew couldn't understand um, why I wasn't worse than I was when I went through chemo, because people don't understand there's as many different chemo treatments as our cancers out there, if not more. So my cancer treatment was about a five. They told me that I would probably um, be sensitive to cold. I could get some neuropathy in my fingers and my toes that I would lose hair, but I would not go completely bald. Um, and that happened almost immediately that I started losing my hair. Um, before my second infusion, you could just go like this and have a handful of hair. You know, it was, it was crazy. And for a woman and for me, it was heartbreaking because, yeah. you know, you're just so tied to how you look, even though you try not to be vain. So lots of ponytails, um, lots <laughs> of hats. But yeah, but I, and I had really long hair then too. So I had hair like down to my waist. So right before chemo started, I cut my hair shoulder length. So then it wouldn't feel as bad as the hair was falling out. Um, the chemo treatments weren't, weren't bad. I drove myself to almost every single chemo treatment alone. I was able to, not that Michael wouldn't have done it for me, but we both have very busy schedules. 
And if I was, if, if I felt capable, then I just went ahead and just did it. So I did. And the nurses took great care of me. They did give me a steroid and some fluids beforehand to keep me from being dehydrated. So they, they did do that um, before every infusion that happened. I went through eight weeks of chemo every two weeks. I was at the hospital for three hours. I had a pick line in my arm and this right here. Oh is- my God. That and that it, those are just the remaining scars that I have, which looks a hundred times better than it did because I unfortunately had a, um, a reaction to, to the pick line and the thing that they, all the, all the different thing adhesives that they used to put on there. So I've, for my last two weeks, I had to have it put in this arm and you can still see there's a little bit of scarring and that was just for being in there for two weeks and one infusion. So that was probably the worst, really the worst of it. The other thing that that happened is that they say you can have neuropathy, which is obviously a very common symptom for this type of chemo treatment. And I do. And to this day, I still have it. And unfortunately, I will have it for the rest of my life because where I'm at right now, they tell, they give you about six months from chemo and wherever you're at, that's, that's basically what you're always going to have. So I have it in my, my toes, and I have it in my fingers, which slows me down when I type. So sometimes I can't tell that I'm not pushing the buttons hard enough because I just can't. I just I just don't have that same feeling there in my toes. I noticed it mostly um, during radiation because I was driving. That was daily. So I went to di- radiation five days a week and took two ke- took chemo pills during that same time, five days a week for eight weeks. And I started noticing um, when I was driving, I was having trouble um, feeling the pedals because you push on your toes. So I don't really drive a whole lot today um, because of it still, but I lose, I don't lose my, I lose my balance um, easier. Oh, and, and of course, between chemo <laughs> and radiation, wasn't it? I broke my leg. So you broke I, your, I, so you broke your leg. I, I broke, broke my ankle. Foot. I broke ankle. Three, bo- okay. three bones in my ankle on a very popular hiking trail that is not hard. It was a mile and a half long. It was a path to the beach and I wasn't even, it wasn't rainy or anything, but it was just the sand and I hit it just right and fell. Mm. And because of the location of where I was, there was no way to get me off of the mountain, the hill that I was on other than to get a helicopter to come in. Oh my God. So I don't know the whole time. I'm just like, oh, it'll be fine. The helicopter will land. They'll pick me up and carry me over to it. It's not a big, no, I was in a basket and they had to haul me up in a basket. And here it is. It's my first girl's day out. It was during the whole chemo fiasco. It was my first girl's day out. And we had gone shopping. I bought shoes, <laughs> cute little summer <laughs> shoes that I still can't wear. Oh my god! Uh, we have to call Michael and tell him. Yes, hey. and then he videoed it. I saw yeah. the video. <laughs> I was like, well, no, because then he tells. Well, he tells my friend Kelly. He's like, if she's going up in a helicopter, you have to videotape it. <laughs> yeah. Of Hell yeah, you do. That's the, that's the theater in my husband. Yeah, I know. I saw. I love about him. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. didn't believe me that I broke my, that I broke my foot. He's cause I was so calm during it. I was, I was like, just, just like I'm talking now. I was like, Hey honey. Um, I think I'm going to be a little late coming home. I, I broke my foot. And he was like, are you sure you broke your foot? You don't sound like you broke your foot. I was like, Oh yeah. I heard it and I can see it. It was facing oh. it. My toes were facing at seven o'clock. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't oh. just break. It wasn't just like a minor break. No, I got to go like, 
all the way. Yeah. Was that was that a side effect? Like, yeah, was chemo? it like a weakness from chemo? Like, did it cause a weakness in your bones that maybe? I don't really think so. Um, and I, oh, but since then, I did have a bone density test, so the answer is no. I know okay. for sure that that it did not affect my bone density it at was- all. So the chemo and the radiation were not a factor. And I will say that I do believe because of the neuropathy. Um, yeah. stepping and the fact that I was stepping down a very slight grade, it just all happened at once. And I, I think that had I not had the neuropathy in my, my feet, I probably wouldn't have slipped, but I did. Yeah. Cause you just can't grip your toes. Yeah. So, well, did you at least get one of those fun, like, uh, you know, scooters, those little knee scooters, or did you like, mm-hmm. or were you just like in a boot? And- oh, I was in a boot. They never actually put a real hard cast on it, which I thought was strange. But I yeah. guess it's just the way things have changed since I was a kid. Yes, I didn't get a cast at all. And um, I ended up with a wheelchair and crutches. Yeah, I broke my ankle, not doing anything fun. Like I was just like you, like hit it just right. Like yeah. coming down two steps into my garage from my house and mm-hmm. um, I was wearing heels and it, you know, Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I got, I got, I got a boot. I was surprised they didn't put a cast on it, but they, yeah, well, they gave you the option. They were like, we can put a hard cast on it or we can give you a boot. And I was like, I want to get in the shower without, you know, <laughs> like without having to wrap everything up. So I was like, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess I was wrong. That happened after radiation, I guess it was, it was, I guess that's what it was. It wasn't between Kelly came and visited me between the two because she was living in Chicago at the time, but I broke my foot after radiation. And that was kind of, that was my celebration. Hey, I made it through all my treatments. Let's go out and have a fun girl's day and go to the beach. So how long was your radiation? Radiation was five days a week for eight weeks and Monday through Friday. It takes like 15 minutes and we were in the process of having to renew our lease right before, uh, right as chemo was ending and as radiation was about to start. So we um, moved, we were downtown in the gas lamp district and loved it down there, but we moved to La Jolla. So that way I could be a mile from the hospital location where I had to go because, and, and I just, and they were real good. They scheduled them almost all of them every day at the same time. So right at 12, 15, 12, 30, I would go down there and it would be my lunch. I would drive over and I'd be back. I'd be back in 30 minutes. So, so what did I, they do? What, what did you do with radiation? So they um, had to put, <laughs> I have three tattoos now. How about that? Um, but they did three little dots, one on each hip and then one under my belly button, which was where they wanted to, um, focus the radiation on. And that's how they knew how to line me up. And because of the location of, of my cancer, I didn't have to get undressed. So really I took off my shoes. I laid down on a bed. They got stepped out of the room. The thing moved around for 10 minutes or so. I got up, put my shoes on and went home. That was it. Radiation really was easy. And I didn't have any effects from the chemo during that too. And that was chemo pills. I was doing the infusions um, for four months, but these were chemo pills that I had to take on my radiation days. And so really not any um, problems with it. Chemo made me tired. Radiation was just like something I had to go do. And I was, I was done with, you know, Wow. mm -hmm. yeah, that part was like any, like any reaction, like burnt, like you know, some people say they like feel like they have a sunburn yeah. or yeah. Yeah. I had one spot on my body, um, on my backside that ended up, um, getting kind of like a, not necessarily a wound, but it, it, it looked a little bit like road rash or something. And that was, that was the only reaction that I got from the, from the actual radiation. 
And that was, that was it. They gave me some cream to put on it and it took it a little bit. Of course, everything takes longer to heal when you've had radiation. So it took a little bit longer than I would have liked for that spot to heal. But other than that, there were no other adverse reactions to my cancer chemo radiation story is like, when I hear other people talk about it, I just feel so bad because mine, mine wasn't bad. Everything, everything that my doctors told me to expect from the beginning was exactly the way it happened in exactly the way my body reacted. And they, they, they just figured with my pigmentation and stuff, if I didn't burn in the sun, then I probably wasn't going to burn from the radiation. Yeah. And I can count on one hand, the number of times I've burned in my entire life, you know, over 50 something years. So yeah, I was very fortunate about both of those. It's been kind of, you don't want to say easy, but I think it could have been way harder than it was. Yeah, um, yeah. definitely. Well, it's also good to hear uh, somebody's uh, uh, I mean, I won't, won't, wouldn't want to say it's a positive but. review because <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it sucks no matter you know who you are, oh, yeah. what happens, but you only really hear all the horror stories, you know, that's what you're going right. to hear. And right. that's kind of what you focus in on. So it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to hear somebody just say, okay, the doctor said this, and that's what happened and nothing unexpected. So no, there was, and there really wasn't, there wasn't anything unexpected. All of my, my medical care team, my nurses and stuff did an amazing job taking care of me. I didn't saying I didn't cry. I had problems. My, my pick line, you know, they, they put a, a, um, a tube in right in your arm right here. And it goes all the way into your body to your heart. Mm-hmm. And at some point I realized they are putting poison in my heart. How am I supposed to survive this? You know, you just, you just wonder, well, at some point because of the reaction with all of the um, adhesives, they weren't able to put those on. And so they were trying to wrap it with like an ACE bandage. What well, came out and I, you know, I woke up one morning and there was this much wire hanging out of my body that shouldn't have been there. And I freaked out. I freaked oh out God. and mm. I called the nurses and I didn't know what to do. Michael was stuck in a conference and I was like, I was like, I'm going to the hospital. They're, they're trying to get an appointment for me, but I can't, I can't continue to walk around with this tube that's supposed to be in my heart hanging out of my arm. And it wasn't out all the way, but I was just afraid of what else could happen. So yeah, I was, I was, I cried from the moment I woke up and found that. And I cried when I was in the hospital, you know, and the nurses were just so sweet and, you know, hugging me and rubbing my back and telling me this is okay. It happens. It may happen, but guess what? It's never happened to me. Yeah. So every little bump along the way that happened, I'm going to say I wasn't very strong. I cried a lot this last year. I did. And it certainly could have been way worse than it was. It was just like, this isn't what I expected. Well, there was no way to expect that that was going to happen. The doctors can't prepare you for that. You know, so that's not their fault. I've had a pick line before mainly mm-hmm. back when I had, you know, diverticulitis that was yeah. just not curing. It wasn't getting better. So yeah. instead of keeping me in the hospital, like forever, they were like, okay, we're going to put in a pick line and send you home and you're going to do these medicines from home. But I was highly allergic to all the adhesives and it like oh, just used and crusted. Yes. It was just, it's weepy. Yeah. yeah, it's that, that was like probably the worst. I didn't mind having the pick line in it. Right. <laughs> that was but, it. Yeah. And they, they I mean, they were very, you know, that line coming out is really dangerous. It's, and it's scary. It is yeah, absolutely scary to know that, oh, I shouldn't pick anything up. I wasn't even allowed to sweep, you know, no, no repeating yeah. motions, you know, yeah. and 
you know, my husband's been a rock star through all of this because all of those things, like something as simple as, as going to the grocery store, I couldn't do anymore because I wasn't supposed to carry the groceries because I had this pick line in and, you know, just all these crazy things. Um, And then of course they added, I broke my foot. (laughs) So so I had that healing as well. (laughs) Well, then you're probably, probably a good thing to give you a wheelchair too, because Mm -hmm. it probably was really difficult to use the crutches with that pick line in your arm. Oh, you know, I was, I was really scared of the, the crutches and also because of the neuropathy. And that was something I couldn't get people to understand unless they were in the medical field was I didn't have the balance in my feet to use the crutches. You know, I just didn't, I didn't do very well on those. When I went in for this last surgery, they wouldn't let me use crutches in the hospital, which I thought was weird, but they gave me a walker and I thought, Oh my God. Where has this been all this time? Yeah. You know, because I can just hold on to it. I don't have to try to to balance on this thing. You know, the, the crutches. I mean, I remember having crutches because I sprained. I got a really bad sprain when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, and I was all like seventy pounds at that point. You know what I mean? And then you get it. You have them as an adult, and you're like, "How did I do this I when do I that. was?" Be you know, like, and now you have boobs. You know, boobs too. Like, oh yeah, every everything is side boobs. So it's like your armpits hurt. It's not comfortable at all. I'm like, can't we come up with a better solution? Like, how how antiquated are crutches? (laughs) Right. No, I I agree. And luckily, again, I work from home. So if I hadn't worked from home, there's no way I'd have had to take time off because I would have been able to get to the office. And you know, the whole idea of getting even getting dressed some mornings was like, can I just stay in my PJs? Cause I can stay in my PJs and I can take a conference call. That's not a big deal. You know, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can stay on happy and up for half an hour and then just maybe lay down for a couple of minutes to give myself a break. <laughs> hey, was there anything in your background? Um, like your genetics or were you hereditary, I'm, anything in, in your, in your history that would have made you think this might be a possibility for me? No, never. My mom had breast cancer. So that was something we've always, you know, since I was 30, 35, we've always looked out for, and I've always had the screenings for that. Um, but other than that, no, there wasn't any history of it that I knew of. So well, isn't there though, isn't there a link between um, breast cancer, ovarian cancer and colon cancer isn't there? I mean, I say, I know first, I don't know about breast cancer, but I know that there is for ovarian and for, for colon cancer, because one of the things that they did when I went in for my last surgery is they removed my tubes. Mm. And the reason that they did is because 90% of the people that end up having cancer come back when they've had colon cancer, it comes back in, in their ovaries and their tubes and stuff. So this helps prevent that from happening. So he just, he's like, so you, you, at your age, you don't need them. If you're okay with it, I'm just going to take them out. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's go ahead and just get rid of those. Did that, I don't know where you are in the change of life. I did that start pushing you into it. So radiation did anyways, because of the location of the, um, of the cancer being right under my belly button, the, where it was hitting was going to, they told me from the beginning would have put me in menopause anyways. Can I tell the difference today than I can a year ago? I don't feel any different. And they always ask you the question is, did you have, um, when's the last time you had a period? Well, I haven't had one in a year, but then my doctor also had me on birth control that kept me from having one because I don't like them. So I just skip them. So I don't, I don't, I haven't noticed any um, specific symptoms from it yet. And we'll, we'll just see, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting one day to wake up and be like hot flashes yeah. and 
(laughs) Not that I'm looking forward to it, (laughs) but it's there. I'm like right there with you. I'm like, okay, wait, is this, is this a symptom? Is this it? I'm like, wait, is that a hot flash? (laughs) I don't know. My my assistant at work, um, who's, you know, about 20 years older than me, very sweet lady, but we were talking about um, menopause one day. And, um, she, so she was mentioning something. She was, she was like, yeah, she's like, you know, it, it was the worst 10 years of my life. And I was like, <laughs> 10, 10 years? years, I was like, I thought it was just like six months. And then you, you know, like, and she was I like, no, it's like happened years. And it went away. Yeah. Oh it's like, it's God. years. No, no, I don't want it to be 10 years. It's different now though, because they, they just know so much more and they have medications and like my mom, it was like 10 years. It was 10 years of hell of hell with my mom. She was just awful. And then she finally got put on. um, She finally got put on estrogen, which I know they say don't do because it could cause breast cancer. cancer. Right. But like it just leveled her out. Like she was just like on pins and needles for like 10 years. And of course there's three kids and two older boys that were consistently getting in trouble. So that could have been part of it. Like why she was on pins and like just crazy lady. I mean, talking to her, she says it too. She's like, once she got the estrogen, she just felt so much better than she had. I don't know. I don't want 10 years of this shit. Like, no, I don't know yeah, who wants it. He wants that. And I, I tell you, I've been really good about, I didn't Google a lot of stuff. I didn't join a lot of groups from the get go. If I had a question, I asked my doctor, you know, one of the first things that I remember receiving was a message from somebody saying, well, I hope that that shot that they give you afterwards doesn't affect you. Like it did several of my friends. That was Ugh. terrible. I heard that was the worst. And I was like, but I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, good. Then you're not getting it. Why aren't you getting it? So the next time I had an appointment with my, my oncologist, I said, by the way, there's supposed to be some kind of shot that some people get. And somebody asked me about it and I don't know what they're talking about. And he was like, that was so refreshing. He said, usually you have a patient come in with that type of information and they're like, why aren't I getting this shot? How come I'm not getting the treatment, all the treatments? He's like, and you just calmly asked the question and what it was. I said, well, because I literally am putting my life in your hands and I trust you to tell me what I need to know. Yeah. And I seriously, throughout the entire process, tried to keep that in mind. I'm not saying that I was always a happy-go-lucky but I tried to keep that as part of what my reality was, is that if the doctors didn't tell me I needed to look out for it, or if they didn't warn me about it, then it just really didn't apply to me. And I didn't need to worry about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good that they gave you that information, but I mean, kudos to you for not getting on, you know, not doing, you know, too much of your own research because mm-hmm. I've had so many things weird happen to me that like, as soon as something happens, I'm on Google, like, what does this it, pain mean? We're always like, you know, oh, well, this is you know, <laughs> WebMD and all of a sudden I'm the expert and I know that I'm dying. And with diverticulitis, I mean, my, my brother-in-law had a stint with that. And it was at the, at that point, I didn't know about it the way I do today, because like you said, a lot of the times people have ulcerative colitis or diverticulitis, and they end up with those symptoms and then later find out that they have cancer, or they end up with the same surgery that I did, where you end up with a colostomy because of it. He fortunately didn't have to go that route, but I remember at the time thinking it was really scary. And had I known what I know now, 
I've been like, oh, that was very, very scary yeah. and painful. And I, and I, sometimes I always, I feel bad in some of the groups I'm in because they talk about how they have lived their entire life with pain or the last 10 years of pain because of diverticulitis or something else. And I just didn't have, I didn't have that. And I, I always kind of want to go, I'm, I'm so sorry because I, I didn't, I didn't experience that, but I did have life-changing things happen because of my cancer still. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cancer is no, no joke. I mean, honestly, I would, I mean, diverticulitis sucks. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I'll take that over, you know, honestly, oh, over cancer. Um, but it's something, you know, you, you keep, you know, cause you know that when you have it, you're predisposed to those kinds of things. So you, you definitely keep an eye on it. And I have to have colonoscopies every year as opposed to every 10 years. And that's every 10 years. Long. Right. But I mean, I, yeah. You know, it's, it's cancer is it's, it's cancer. You know, it's, it's, it's awful. all scary. Yeah. It's all scary. It's, it's awful. And you shouldn't feel bad. Don't feel bad about not, fe- you know, not, not knowing, being sicker. Not being sicker. <laughs> like that's, that's not fair to you. So don't, don't, don't beat yourself up about that. So I mean, what was the surgery? So we talked about your radiation oh, and your chemo. And then now you oh. said the surgery was the worst part. So we always, we always figured um, when I went, I was supposed to have different scans, a CAT scan, and I always forget what the other one is, another type of scan. And based on that, they couldn't see that there was any tumor left in, in my body. But the only way to know for sure was to have surgery and to go in and to remove those parts anyways, because you didn't want to leave the parts where the tumor was and have it possibly come back in the same location. And then also the lymph nodes were involved. So there's 14 lymph nodes apparently that attach to all of your stuff that at the, at the very end of your body as the food's coming out. So we went in and had the meeting with him. We thought at first that because there were no symptoms or no signs of the tumor that I was going to be able to be on a protocol where it was a watch and wait and they would just have screenings every every quarter to see if anything else happened and not have the surgery. And fortunately, with the location of the cancer, where the location of the cancer was originally, there was parts of muscles in my body that weren't going to be, once they removed the tumor, they couldn't guarantee that those muscles would work properly. So I ended up having what they call an APR. And I can't, I'd have to look it up. It's big, long words like this. Um, <laughs> so basically they rerouted everything and I have a colonoscopy. So I have a stoma is what it's called on my stomach next to my belly button. And run, what that means is that I don't go to the bathroom for a bowel movement the same way everybody else does. I have to have a bag attached to it. And that is where my bowel movements occur today. And that is permanent. Some people get them because they're waiting. Like if they have some type of surgery for diverticulitis, a lot of times they'll put in a a temporary one while your body heals and then they remove it and everything gets reconnected back Um, because of, of the location of my tumor. There's no relocating it back. So everything on the back end of me is gone and they removed it. They removed my tubes. And now I have this thing on my stomach, not the best of situations. But like my son said, when we told him it's livable, 
And it allows me to continue to do just that. It allows me to continue to live. Um, Of everything, the stoma actually healed really well. And I haven't had any problems with it at all. It's a matter of just getting used to your bodily functions and how they're going to, how they're going to work afterwards. Nothing, nothing major, you know, it may take me an extra five minutes to get ready now than it did before just to, you know, and, and also it depends on the location of it. So because mine's attached to my large intestine, all my movements are the same as they would be before. There are people that have to have their entire large intestines removed and they have what's called an ileostomy and it's attached to their small intestines. Those are worse because now you're talking about six to 10 bag changes a day and more liquidy and that kind of thing. And it's gross to say, but that's just, that's just science. That's just part of of what it is. Um, But with me, um, I can go two or three days without having to change it. Sometimes I can change it twice in a day. It just depends. It depends on your diet too, on what you eat. And you know, when you eat something, if you think it's, especially if you had diverticulitis, you know, the things that you're supposed to avoid to avoid those symptoms. And I know that if I want to have, say something really fatty, like a bacon cheeseburger, I can still eat it, but know that I might probably have some reaction to that, but what would have anyways, it's, it's the same reaction I would have had without the, without the colonoscopy. You know, I just have to know what to expect. Yeah. I had my sigmoid colon removed and okay, that's what they, I had removed. They, yeah. They had Part prepared me for the fact that I may need a colostomy bag temporary, you know, it was like the yep. maybe temporary, it may yep. end up being permanent, just depending on what happens. And, um, you know, thankfully I was, I didn't, I didn't have to have it, but my mother-in-law went through <clears throat> diverticulitis and mm-hmm. really, really, really bad infection. She got one time and she ended up having to have the colostomy bag, um, the stoma temporarily. Um, mm-hmm. but she actually loved it. She was like, I, I, cause she'd had so, so much difficulty, like right. so much pain that she was, it, it helped relieve. It was pain. a relief. Yeah. And so she was like, I wish I could have kept it. <laughs> so and some she, people decide to, um, yeah. 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 No, that's good. And as I said, it's there to help you, you know, to give your body a chance to heal in some of the groups I'm in people have chosen, even though there's a supposed to be temporary to keep it. It's in the things is like, if you're one of those people that have ever had any kind of real stomach issues, you know, that when you go someplace, you're looking to see where the bathrooms are and how far you are from them. And do, do you know where it's at? And, you know, you, you look out for these kinds of things. And today, because I have the bag, I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> yes, there are other things that I do have to do because of it. Um, but I, I completely understand when people say it's kind of a relief, like, like your mother-in-law was saying, I totally understand what she means by that, you know, because it just yeah. does, it, it's an extra appliance that you have to deal with, but it also relieves a lot of the stress that you would normally have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that, do you so they, they took a part of your intestines out. I'm um, right. Is that what mm-hmm. you said? Okay. Yep. So are now, are you on any kind of special medication or they, mm-hmm. your intestines are still working normal yep. except yep. for this little reroute. So that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So other than the reroute, there's not any medication that I have to take for the rest of my life because of it. Um, there's not even a special diet that I have to be on. Um, it's one of these things they want to tell you to make sure that you chew your food real good. One of the big things you have to worry about are blockages. And that's one of the things I panic about if I don't have something happen within the same day or the next day, but I'm, I, I haven't had 
the stomach pains and infection that would cause me to think that I have some type of blockage. But I think that's the biggest concern that um, I have to worry about now. But you learn that you're supposed to chew your food, chew your food real well. There are foods that you can avoid. Um, there's things that you just, you can't do that before, you know, you could make yourself wait until you went to a, into a bathroom to go to the bathroom. I have no control over that. It's going to happen no matter where I'm sitting. Um, one of the worst things I guess you could say about it is also you can't control gas and the sound of it and air and those kinds of things. And if you were around your mother-in-law at all, if when she had her temporary one, there's weird noises that you hear and you're like, what, what is that? And you just, you can't stop it. So I haven't really ventured out in the world so far as being in big groups and restaurants and things. I mean, we've gone out to eat, you know, together, that kind of thing. Um, And it's been fine. Um, Haven't had any issues there. That's one of the other reasons why I decided to just be open about it. And, you know, there's so many people in the world that have these bags and they don't talk about it and it's not normalized. And there's things that you just can't avoid with them. And I didn't want to have to do that. I didn't want to have to hide. I didn't want to have to have this big secret. You know, I just, this, this is who I am and this is what I have. And some things may happen that I can't control and just let you know that, you know, so as if you're a close friend or a family member, or you follow me on my YouTube channel, then, then, you know, these things, these things will happen. And I'm going to apologize once and be like, sorry, but I do it at home. Like, oh, so sorry. It's just like, you know, if you, you burp, you can't help sometimes if you burp yeah. real loud. Well, it's just like that, you know, it's embarrassing, but it's, it's, I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, and I, I have the ability to, to say, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So so what's next? So how often do you have to get checked? So not as bad as I thought. Um, I'm, they Because I just had the surgery, I should have, I was supposed to have my colonoscopy in October, but because the surgery was so late in September, um, I'll probably won't have it until December. The oncologist, my oncologist is trying to let my body heal a little bit before I have that done. And they do the colonoscopy through your stoma. So that should be an interesting thing because the your body's changed surgeries have closed things up that weren't, you know, that were there before and that's how they do it. So that ought to be interesting. Um, so I have to have one at one year. I have a colonoscopy at three years and another one at five years and I go quarterly for CAT scans. So, um, that's it. I mean, so far as the follow-up treatment, the plan's relatively easy and it's definitely like everything else. It's livable. You know, I can, I can come up with an afternoon every quarter that I go to have a CAT scan done. Yeah. So, yeah. So nothing, nothing too hard or difficult, no cartwheels or things that have to be done pretty straightforward. So the, I want to go back to the beginning, the at home kit, did you just Mm -hmm. have to like poop? And send in your poop. Is that what it was? No, you have to poop and you get this thing that looks like a Q-tip and you put the Q-tip in it and then you put it in the seal it. And that's what you send in is just that. Okay. And that was through your doctor though, Mm because there's, there's all these online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cologuard's one of the ones that you see the commercials for on TV. And it's the same thing. It's the home health kit. It's the home kit that they send you. It's the same thing. The doctor's office sends you. They send it to the lab and they look at it. What they found was they found blood. They found that there was blood in it. And that's what caused them to determine that I needed to have a colonoscopy because that could be a sign of cancer or something else. And it, it didn't necessarily have to be cancer. It could have been something like diverticulitis or UC or one of those other stomach things that yeah. happen, you know, that they needed to look at and just treat. That's so amazing though, that, that you could just do that little tiny kit 
you know, oh, that kid sat there for like a, at least two weeks. Got to look at it every right there on the bathroom counter. So I was like, how am I going to, I read the instructions. Like, There's <laughs> nope, I'm putting that thing down. <laughs> Neither Michael, Michael and I both just kept looking at them and not even talking about, well, we're not going to do that. And then eventually <sighs> I was like, all right. Cause the doctor's office kept sending me messages saying, Hey, we haven't received your kit back. <laughs> And it's That's, a good thing because yeah, it pushed me it to really do was. it, you know, it and I'm, I'm sitting here today because of it. Right. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uncomfortable. So the whole time you just stayed positive, or at least your messaging out was very positive. You know, you have the cutest smile ever. Like you're just like this big old smile and, Thanks. you know, Michael's just as sweet as can be too. And I'm so happy that, you know, your little love story is really cute. And, you know, if people want to go find you guys, I'm sure they could go find it. But like along this journey, I mean, it's good to hear that you were breaking down, you were crying, you're upset, totally understandable. But what are the things that you think really help push you through? Try and remain positive through this whole fight. I think that at the very beginning, um, Michael and I had a month because we were in Mexico and we had a month to get used to the idea that I had cancer and knew that all of these things were going to happen. And I think that that helped help my outlook on it. You know, he's always been, he's always been my biggest cheerleader, you know, and, and knowing that, that he was there and that he was going to support me along the way. I can't imagine people that, that live alone trying to go through something like this. I just can't. One of the hardest things through this whole process was telling my children and telling my mother, but he helped me, he helped me through all of those. You know, he was right there next to me during it. And we determined, like I said, very early on that we weren't going to do all the Google and research and stuff. And we were just going to just put our faith in the doctors and knowing that they went to medical school and they're, they're going to know what it is that I need to do. Obviously, not everybody does that. Also, with the extra added stress of having cancer and having started a fairly new job that had started in June, I wanted to make sure that... I was able to focus on what I needed to. And I think that that working through and people are like, that's so ridiculous just that you took your laptop to the hospital when you were going through chemo infusions. I'm like, they think that also helped me get through the chemo infusions because then instead of sitting there and just focusing on this poison dripping into my body, you know, that I also, oh, wait, I got this report I need to get done. And it also made the time go faster. I'm not saying that I expect everybody to be working through chemo and radiation and the whole bit, but I think that also helped me just to focus, not necessarily so much on what I was going through, but just to get, get through the day. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. I watched Michael's colonoscopy (laughs) on YouTube So they have a Mary Jane kind of documented that her whole journey through, I guess, like finding out probably, I guess, when did you start? It was like a little after you found out. um, Yeah, it was after it was after I had told my um, had told my family um, that I had cancer that we started doing the videos because I realized, like I said earlier, that it was important for me to have my children and my mom especially be able to see me and know that I was okay. And to hear me, it was one thing to just text, I'm fine, but to actually hear my voice and see my face and know that when I say I'm okay, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did I have bad days? Obviously I had bad days. I had days that I was so tired that all I did was sleep all day on Saturday, but that that's okay because that's what my body needed to heal and to get through it, you know, but I, the videos definitely, I think, um, were more 
I guess they were for me. So that way I could feel like they were reassured. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michael's video, and, and we can, we'll put a link in the um, show comments, <laughs> but Michael's video is great because it kind of, for somebody like I've never, I've never had a colonoscopy. Oh, yeah. And of course my doctor's like, you should probably go do it. And cause I'm like getting there. And of course I'm like, I don't want to do it, but watching his video, and he like he shows you the crap he has to drink, but he's like, it's actually not that bad. He's like, all right, you know, and he just kind of walks through the whole process with you. And he's really funny through the, you know, Michael's he's funny to begin with. Yeah. But like, I think anybody out there thinking, oh, God, I don't want to do it. Like, it's a good video to watch, in my opinion, because it's just kind of normal. He had to go get a covid test prior that I guess that's a California thing. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's nationwide or not, where you have to go get your covid test prior to any surgeries. Yeah, I've yeah, had he, to. Yeah, I've yeah. had to for all of my procedures that I was in the hospital for. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's watch him do the COVID test. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen a COVID test, which I can't imagine you haven't, but whatever, you get to see that. And then him going into the hospital and then he doesn't remember anything after after that. Not at all. And now he completely understands why I'm like you and the doctor were arguing about something. I don't remember that at all. And now he gets it. Cause I was like, I have no idea. There's conversations like I said to this day that I just don't even remember happened that day. Yeah. And, uh, and he's exactly the same way. Like I said, he doesn't, I was taking pictures. He was smiling in the pictures. He doesn't remember that, you know, but I'm going to be with Beth. Cause I saw her face when you were talking about Michael was like, Oh, this doesn't taste so bad. That stuff is nasty. Is so it awful? So when you, I mean, you guys have both had children when they give you the, that juice. Oh, worse, worse. I never, I didn't think that, that was that bad. Yeah, the diabetes that's, test. I mean, that, that stuff is icky gross, but the, the problem is with this is it's, it's you know, a it's lot. A big, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Well, in this last time, cause I just had one in the spring this last time it was, they gave me two, they were like, I would call them like milk jugs, almost like two jugs. And you had to do the eight ounces within an hour, or I think it was 16 ounces, 16 ounces within the hour and then wait four hours and then do another 16 ounces. It doesn't sound as bad. It wasn't as bad, but it still is disgusting. So like, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spread this out. I just, you know, I had, I had had my husband. I was like, cause I was all up in my head. I was like, okay, you're going to have to just count to four and I'm going to take a straw and to see how much I can drink in mm-hmm. you know, four seconds. So he would go three, <laughs> like, you know, and then I was like, I was looking at him like, come on, get to four. And, you know, yeah. but I could get it down in like three different counts of four. I could get the, mm-hmm. I, so that I'm like, I'm going to do that from now on. Cause that really helped me get out of my head because yeah. Anytime I've had to do it before, like I'd be gagging because it's just a lot of liquid and I just don't have that much liquid to begin with. So like, it was like, I can't, I couldn't keep it all down. I was like trying to come back up and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is that's bad. part of the best part of it is there's so much of it. I got to the point where I didn't drink all of mine, but I probably only left like this much left in the bottle. I got to the point where I felt like if I drank anymore, I was going to be sick and I didn't think that that would be good for me. So yeah. I just, I just stopped and, and I don't know if yours this last time, but normally you have to wake up at three or four in the morning, the day of your procedure and drink 
the other half of it. So that's where it split splits up when you've got the big bottle. So, you, you know, you saw Michael say, oh, it's like four or five in the morning and I'm tired. Well, that's because you're required to drink the other half. Yeah. Well, this one is like you do you do it within four hours of each other. Yeah. And then if you are not completely clear, <laughs> let me tell yeah. you, if you're not completely clear by four hours after you take that last one, then they give you like a backup, like just one of those magnesium citrate ones. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They give you a backup and you take that if you're not completely clear at that point, which those are, those are very similar to the, to the one that you take for the glucose test when you're, when you're pregnant, but yeah, they're just very sugary. They feel, they taste just very sugary, but they almost taste salty too. You know, yeah, there's mean? something that's salty about it. I know uh, my hands and my feet were swollen afterwards for a couple of days. Um, they have pills actually that you can take and just drink with like eight ounces of water, just the yeah. pills with water. And I was like, why don't they prescribe that to everybody? Yeah. But most doctors don't do that. I think because they, they don't get as good of results. Oh, maybe not clear um, you up enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, I think they don't, maybe don't clear you up enough. Got but. it. They just clear you out like while you're under. Just go up there with the pressure washer, pressure wash right. it out. If then- you're having issues though, that's, you don't want to go up there with a pressure wash. <laughs> uh, I, so. I didn't even think about that. But you know, when I had my surgery where they were reconnecting my my colon, they didn't, he didn't give me any kind of prep or special diet or anything. I mean, yeah, no food after midnight kind of thing and no water or fluids after, you know, within so many hours of the surgery. I completely expected to have to do a whole nother prep for that because everything had to do with my colon, but I didn't. And some people do, some people don't. So who knows? I'm just glad I didn't have to drink it again. You know, yeah. I don't yeah. remember. I think it's gross. I remember, it's gross. I did have to do it before. I think I did. I think I had to. Do it. I don't remember, <laughs> but I think I did. Oh, Beth, I hope I hope you're yeah. not having a lot of symptoms from it now, and that it's under control. Well, you know, unfortunately, like I, I got my I had my sigmoid removed, and they said ninety percent of the time, once once you remove that section that you're having issues with, you never have a problem with it again. Oh, and, that's amazing. But. Five years later, almost five years to the date. And then I started, I, I started having, I had, um, I wouldn't have been as worried just having like one, one instance of it, but I had, I had it twice within like four months and they, and so they sent me back for another colonoscopy. It wasn't quite time yet, but then my, my GI doctor, she was like, why are we here? (laughs) Like, she's like, I, you know, she's, she, she had done my surgery before. And she was like, I, she's like, I thought we were, I, you know, I thought we were good. I didn't think we were going to be back here so soon. This, mm-hmm. She basically said, this is not good. You don't have a, you don't have a whole lot of options if this continues to be a problem. So it scared me a little bit because I don't, because I'm, you know, cause I don't want a colostomy bag, but yeah, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, I, you know, I know for you, like if you probably have given a choice, you probably wouldn't, oh. wouldn't have one. Right? Yeah. If I, if I had yeah. a choice and that was, that was not something that I thought was ever going to be, that was the one thing that did change. I always knew it was kind of an option, but it was list. It was said. So just, you know, off the cuff, they never really paid that much attention to it. So when I went in for my, my checkup with my, my surgeon, 
And he said that this is what we're going to do. It was just kind of like such a shock to me because for him though, I mean, I had gone through 10 months of whatever dealing with, with oncologists and not dealing with him. And he was the, he was the one that was supposed to go in and restage and determine, was it still, cause I was, I was, I was stage one, stage one cancer, you know, the very, the very beginning of it, it was caught very, very early. And after the surgery, they didn't even restage it because all my cancer was gone. They couldn't find any more any more signs of cancer in my body and all of the parts that they removed, there was not any sign of it, you know? So it's kind of like, you you feel like you're kind of being punished, even though everything worked the way it was supposed to. So I totally understand when you say it's not an option that you really want to have to have. I will tell you though, the surgery for that was so simple. Yeah, it was. And the recovery for that was so, so so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm here. If you need to talk about it, I hope we don't have to, <laughs> obviously fingers crossed that everything yeah. goes well and heals for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I would, I, I don't, I don't know that. And I, I told this to Michael not too long ago. I just, I feel like I went through this whole thing. And in the end, my body just betrayed me, you know, it did because it yeah. didn't, I'm, I'm, I, I don't feel like me. I don't feel normal, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know when, I don't know when that will come back. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a, and have you been relatively healthy, like up to that point of being diagnosed? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was overweight, but I've, I've done the same thing. My weight has fluctuated up and down, you know, just like every other woman out there, you know, um, could I have been in in better shape? Obviously I could, but I hadn't, I had never broken a bone. I had never had to have major surgery before. The only time I'd ever been hospitalized was when I had my children. I had both of them without any um, pain medication, you know, because my babies came so fast. And you so I've I've always been I, I had four wisdom teeth taken out. I never took a single pain drug for it. You know, I never took a single prescription drug. So, you know, I didn't I didn't do drugs. I, I didn't drink a whole lot. So I felt like I was fairly healthy. Yeah. yeah. And then to have this past year happen was just like, what? Yeah. 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 Wow. So, I mean, Dana knows this, but I've been through a lot medically, like a lot of weird, weird stuff that doesn't typically happen to somebody my age, but it does. So I constant, I know I can, I completely relate to that feeling of my body bailing me. I feel like yeah. that happens often. And I've also say like, I've, you know, I'm like a cat that has nine lives and I'm about out, you know, like, I don't know, you know, it's just like, I keep having stuff that happens that like, you know, afterwards are like, you know, that wasn't such a great thing. Like you, you know, probably shouldn't, you know, you probably should be dead. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Thanks for saying that. (laughs) You know, I'll just, and you try, you like, I I don't know what else. I mean, I could certainly eat better. I mean, like my, And Dane and I have, that's a whole other show we, we are planning in the future is to talk about all the diets that we've tried, ah. but it's, it's one of those things where you, you know, you're, you're disappointed because you do feel so like my brain says I'm still 25, you know, oh, and, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, my brain says I'm 25. My body keeps telling me that I'm in my eighties and then I'm like, ah, stop, <laughs> I love your attitude. I love that you have remained so upbeat and positive and like, because it's really easy to, to, to get down. It's real. I mean, you know, I've tried, you know, I've, I've done the same thing. I've never been faced with cancer, so I can, 
I could say that like that is you've had health issues. And so you can understand different beasts altogether, but yeah, all the emotions that go with with health issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bad mentally. It, it breaks you down sometimes. And it messes definitely it messes with your head and it's really hard to stay positive, you know? And like I said, it it certainly haven't been positive every day. I always appreciate the people that check on me just to say, Hey, are you having a good day? Rather than, are you okay? Some people out there just want to hear about all the bad stuff. And I, I, Again, fortunately, unfortunately, don't feel like I have a lot of bad stuff to talk about. You know, here yeah. it is. It's it's um it's a little over a year later that I've gone through cancer, and I think that things could have been way worse than they were. And at the end of the day, I survived it, and I'm yeah. here, and I'm ready. I'm ready to be healed and to just start living again. Yeah. yeah, it's perspective, and it's you know, there it's finding, and I've and I can completely relate to that, and I feel like that for me happened very early on. And, and just realizing like, you know, having doctors tell you, you should not be here. You, you Mm -hmm. should be, you know, like, yeah, you, you live through something that most people don't live through. So to have doctors tell you that, and now I was 25 at the time, you know, like you have a different perspective on life. You're like, okay, well, there's a reason I'm here. You know, there's a reason I'm still here. There's got to be, you know, cause you know, why else? you know? And so you live life very differently and very, I feel like intentionally and mm-hmm. or you try to anyway, you try oh, to yeah, absolutely every day, but I know people who've been through medical things who, who unfortunately don't sh- you know, don't can't get in that same mind frame and it's what was me and, mm-hmm. you know, really hard and to get past. And I know that pain unfortunately does put people in that, in that really desperation kind of mindset. So I can really appreciate your, your perspective and just staying positive. And it's okay to get, you know, it's okay to have your moments, but you know, you gotta like, okay, have your moment and then, and then yourself back up and then, you know, dry your eyes and you blow your nose and you just get on with the rest of the day. That's, that's what you have to do. And I think that if, if my cancer treatment had been worse, my outlook might've been different. A five out of 10, you know, yeah, I've, I've got some, I can't feel when I do this, you know, if, if those are the things that, that I walk away from this with, then that's, it's livable, it's livable. I'll work around it and I'll figure it out. I think that had I been in constant pain, my outlook would have been a lot different. My outlook this last, well, September 15th, when I had the surgery, the, the pain that I went through with that had nothing to do with the stoma, but had everything to do with, with them removing the parts and waiting for those parts to heal, you know, the yeah. ones that are remaining. And if it hadn't been for that, because these, these last two months have been rough. They've been, I work, I worked from my bed for three weeks mm-hmm. because I could not sit up. So, but again, it's what I did and it's how I got through it. I didn't have the best of attitudes um, since then, because just when you're in constant pain, even sitting here right yeah. now, I'm in pain. I can't do anything about it. I know it's going to get better. It's not as bad today as it was six weeks ago. So I know it's getting better. Yeah. You know, I, and when I had, I, I agree. And I've had several abdominal surgeries and that one was rough. Mm-hmm. And I remember after like two weeks, <laughs> because my mom came and she sticked with me and she was helping. She came in to check on me at one point and I was just done feeling like that. I was just, you know, I was done. And I was like, she's like, are you okay? And I was just like, I'm just so tired of feeling like this. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, well, what can, what can I do to change it? I was like, there's not really anything that you can do. And then it, it would just hit me. I was like, okay, I've got, 
to will myself to get up and out of this bad <laughs> move. And I had just been elected to the school board. <laughs> Do you remember this, Dana? Like yeah. I had just been elected to the school board when I found out that they wanted to do this surgery. They had wanted to do it actually really like a, like a few days after my last, you know, he was like, as soon as you're healed, I want you to, you know how it is. Like they want you to be healed and then they're going to go in and do your, they don't want to do surgery when you have an active infection. So like, he's like, we want you to heal. And then we're going to do this infection. I was like, well, I was like, I'm running for school board. So, and the election is November 4th. So can you just, can we wait until after that? And he was like, so what day is that? And he was like, okay. He's like, you're going to election day is this day. He's like, you'll have one day to celebrate because you're going to win. That's what he said. He's like, you know, one day to celebrate one day for prep. And then you're going to have, then you're going to, and then we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then we did. And then I remember thinking I have work to do, you know, like I got elected. I was like, I got to get to work. I got stuff to do, but I was so much pain. And I was just like, I will myself. And I remember there was this conference that was for the new school board members. Like they had, had asked us to attend. And I was like, I was on the fence. I told them, I was like, I didn't have surgery. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go. And I was like, you know what? You're going. So like I packed a bag and I went and it was a lot of walking and like, and I, and I think that was honestly, like I was put I put on a brave face and I was, you know, I was in pain, but I was like, I'm going to do this. You're going to do it. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to not show up for my first thing, you know? So I think if I had not had that, I may have stayed in bed for another Weeks, exactly. And I've that same thing happened. You know, I'm laying in bed and I'm I'm miserable. And one day it just same, it kind of just hit me. I was like, you know what? I need, I need out of this house and I need to do something normal. I had Michael take me shopping and I bought some clothes. First time in my life, I'm losing weight without trying to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's hard to get enough food in when you're not really moving a whole lot, anyways, you know. And, and not that I have been pleased with the weight loss or anything like that, but it, it certainly wasn't purposeful. But yeah, I was like, here I am. I'm probably in the best shape of my life so far as size wise. And I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is, is laying in bed. I need to get out of bed, you know? So the, the whole is like a, a switch flipped and I got up every morning and I started walking into the living room to where my desk was and started taking my calls from there. Do I lay down between calls sometimes still? Yes, because I can't sit up for very long, but those are things that'll change. You know, my stamina and things will, will build as I move around more and it'll get better. And I, I know it will. So today I may not feel great, but someday I'm hopefully we'll feel normal again. Normal is a, a huge thing that yeah, people yeah. just don't even think about. Yeah. They take it for granted. <laughs> Absolutely. Aww. Yeah. I think you're doing awesome. You're doing Aww. awesome. You are. You're doing I awesome. I think y'all are doing awesome too. <laughs> okay. So before we wrap off part of uh, what the 40 ish is this whole kindness push, we're really trying to get people to remember to be kind to each other and do small acts of kindness a random, like random acts of kindness. So I want to ask you, what is something somebody has done for you that was very mm-hmm. kind and kind of out of the blue? During my cancer journey, I said that my cancer was a, on a five to 10 and they told me that I would lose hair, that I wouldn't go bald. They never really thought about hair thinning as losing hair. I just kept referring to it as my hair might get thinner. One of my really close friends, um, her mom had gone through cancer several years ago and she was out of town 
her mother needed a medication because of bad reaction to radiation. And that's how I met her mom was because I was the person that went and got the medication for and sat with her through it. And when she found out that um, I had cancer, she was the first person and it sounds kind of abrupt, but she was the first person that said, Mary Jane, hair thinning is hair loss. Just remember that. And remember, if you get to the point where you need to, to shave your head and you have questions or feel uncomfortable about it, let me know. And I'll talk you through it because that's what she ended up doing. Out of the blue, she sent me this hat that she made for me because she knew because she had gone through cancer and losing her hair, how important it was to have something soft and comfortable to be able to wear. So not just a baseball cap, but just out of the kindness of her heart, she made me the most beautiful little ski cap. And I just can't, I've, I've pictures and I can send you a picture so y'all can see the hat that she sent me. And it was just the most amazing, sweet thing. You can buy gifts all day long. Homemade gifts are just something amazing. And it was something that she just did just out of the, just out of the good, out of her goodness. You know, I didn't ask her for it. I didn't. And I have other things that she's made me before um, because I was like, oh, I love that color of yarn. Um, can you make me a scarf? And she would do that. But she did this completely on her own um, because she thought it was something that would comfort me. I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it is awesome. That is sweet. <laughs> yeah, she's Aww. a sweetheart. <laughs> okay, so we also end all of our, I don't know, what do, what do you call these meetings? Okay. I don't even, they're not even meetings. <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> our episodes. All of our chats. Episodes. Our episodes. Yeah, I like that. That's episode. With a weekly challenge that we challenge our listeners to do something kind for other people. Beth and I usually come up with it, but if, if you have something, like very simple things, like text somebody you haven't talked to in the last month and just say, hi, Yeah. Like, do, do you have something there, Mary Jane, that you can pull out of, pull out of your, out of your hat? Out of my hat. You know, I, um, always at work, things are always so busy and we always get caught up in trying to meet whatever goal or whatever the next deliverable is. So I always try to be appreciative of the people that help me along the way. It may sound kind of rote, but yeah, I just say, say thank you to people, you know, just yeah. let them know that you appreciate them and, and, and being kind. That's one of the things I always say is if in doubt, just be kind to somebody because you never know what they're going through. So yeah, definitely. So maybe the challenge this week, if you, even from home or at work, you um, get a sticky note and stick it on somebody's desk or somebody's car or something like that. And just write, Hey, thank you for being you. Like, yeah, yeah I think that would be an awesome I think act so too. of kindness. Yeah. I think that'd yeah, be great. I do. I think that's a great idea. Thank you for, for joining us. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. No, I appreciate it for your positivity and the, and the goodness you're putting out into the world. We need more of you. Uh, we need more kindness and positivity from everybody. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> oh, awesome. Actually really quick. Tell us where they can find you. Tell us your YouTube channels and all that good stuff. Oh, why would, why would I know all of that? Michael handles all that. I can tell you. So you have a YouTube channel, M- MJ's Cancer Story. And that yeah, is, that's it. That shows you with your cancer story. But you guys also have done some awesome traveling. So yeah, you, we have happy trekkers. Yes. So that's kind of how it all started. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been, you can go see like, I, this one I find fascinating is the Mexico one. Like, oh yeah. 
because you're watching it and now that you know what you know, like, you know, and they both know that Mary Jane has cancer at this moment and you guys are going through the, what it, what it would be like to live in Mexico at the same. So it's, it's very interesting to watch. Yeah. But happy truckers is super cute. Also. Are you waiting? Side question here. Do you you still want to move to Mexico? We still want to move. Unfortunately, with the logistics of it, it's a little bit harder because of the insurance and stuff. And it's really hard to get information about good insurance in foreign countries. Um, But yeah, that is one of our goals is to eventually live in another country rather than just in America. The world is just so big and there's so much of it that we haven't even seen. There's so much of it that I have seen, but there's so much that is still out there to explore and to learn about. So yeah, we definitely still want to move. It definitely warrants more conversation now that we know today what yeah. what's coming for medical reasons for follow ups and stuff like that. Because until I, until I had my surgery and got the pathology and stuff back, everything was just put on hold. You know, because we just didn't know. Well, we'll we'll tune in and see where you guys go. Yeah. We ne- we definitely need to have a check in call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that maybe great. we'll have Michael on. Michael is such a clown. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> He's a total clown. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll- all right. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, Beth. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on What the 40 ish. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear some more, please hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, or share with your friends. We would love for you to follow us on Instagram at What the 40 ish. And remember, we're all just trying to make it through. So do something kind for someone else today. Even a smile goes a long way.